0: John chapter 5. But first, let's pray. Father, we praise you. Son, we praise you. Holy Spirit, we praise you. Great things you have done. Father, may we meet with you in your word today for just these few minutes. Holy Spirit have free reign in our hearts to show us our need Lord may we leave here in the freedom of Christ thank you for all you've done in Jesus name Amen John chapter five. Last week we introduced ourselves to this story, this paragraph, this sign in the ministry of Christ. By the pool of Bethesda, when Jesus heals a man. It's the only place in the gospel narratives that we have this story. It is here in the Gospel of John. Last week uh, we we focused on the textual variation talked about manuscripts and we talked about the reliability of the Bible. So we're not going to go back through any of that. We're just looking now at what Jesus did. After this, that is, of course, the healing of the court official of Herod, his son. When Jesus healed that son from Cana... And the word of Jesus reached 16 miles to Capernaum and healed a boy who was at the point of death. After that, there was a feast of the Jews. Now, when we get to chapter 6, we're going to see the Passover again. This feast is not named. Jesus has gone to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, a pool in Aramaic. It is called Bethesda. I said this last week, Bethesda means House of Mercy. That's why many times you hear of hospitals named Bethesda. It's a House of Mercy. And so, there is this place by the pool, of Bethesda, and there is a five-roofed colonnade there, And this is an ancient hospital where people are gathering around this pool and these are not people who just come there because they broke their arm or they need stitches or they need emergency care. No, these are people who have become invalids. These are people in chronic debilitating disease who can no longer function in society And so they are now in a place where they are being cared for in this colonnade. And so you see here, there is a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, paralyzed. And there was one man there who had been an invalid for 38 years. My friend, that's a long time. We don't know how he became an invalid. Was it a disease or was it an accident? Was his his spinal cord severed and he could no longer walk and he's a paraplegic? Did he have something akin to like a Parkinson's that had just slowly deteriorated his body until he no longer could function and now he is just on a bed? We don't know. But this has been going on for 38 years. At one time in his life, he was whole. He wasn't perfect, but he was whole. And he functioned. And then maybe one day he got up. And he was working on a house. And he fell off a ladder. And broke his back. And things were never the same. And he could always remember what it was like to walk. He could always remember what it was like to be a builder. He could always remember what it was like. But 38 years. I don't know how many of you know who Johnny Erickson Tata is. I'm sure most of us who know the Lord know who she was or he is. Confined to a wheelchair since she was 16 years old. Paraplegic is a tremendous ministry for the Lord. Long time in a wheelchair. This guy's been there 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and noticed this, this is a glimpse into his deity. Knew. He had already been there a long time. He said to him. Would you like to be healed? Well, duh. I'm sorry. Why would Jesus? I I, I mean, I spent a lot of time this week reflecting on that. Why would Jesus say to this guy, Do you want to get better? Why would he say that? And why would the guy then say, I don't have anybody help me? Why wouldn't he say, well, of course I would. Why wouldn't he say that? Would you like to get better? Yes, I would. Now, we'll see in the text, this guy doesn't even know who Jesus is. But I don't care who it is. If you were an invalid and you were in bed for 38 years, you probably got some nasty bed sores going on. And, you know, it's kind of been not a miserable thing. And some chaplain or somebody at the hospital came in to see you. And they just said to you, wouldn't you like to be well? And you didn't know who that person was, but they still asked you that question. Would you like to be well? Wouldn't you say, yes? You know what? Most people who have been sick for 38 years probably wouldn't say, yes. You know why? They're hopeless. They've lost hope. They have no expectation. This is the way it is. I'm not going to get better. This is what it is. And you can hear this man's hopeless condition in the way he responds to Jesus. there are people in this room that something's been going on in your life for a long time. And somebody would say to you, wouldn't you like to have a good marriage? Well, duh. Who wouldn't? Well, duh. But somebody came to you and said, well, wouldn't you like to have a nice marriage? What would you say? I don't have anybody to help me. This is the way it is. It's the way it's always been. We're just never going to get along. Nothing's going to change. There are people in this room that you've had some issue going on in your life for just forever, it seems to you. And you just think this is the way it's going to stay. So in that conversation, Jesus says, don't you want to be healed? The sick man answers him, sir. Notice, sir, he doesn't know who Jesus is. We'll see this in a minute. I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up and while I'm going, another steps down. Jesus says to him, get up. Take up your bed. Walk. There are three commands. Jesus doesn't ask his permission. Jesus does not ask the guy if he believes in him. Does he? In fact, we will see this in the text. There's no record in the text that the man believes anything about who Jesus is. Jesus commands. And it is done. And then the man believes. Get up. In that command, something happens in that man's body and he realizes, I can do this. Take up your bed. Walk. And at once, the man was healed. He got up. Took up his bed. His bed roll, you know it's not like this ain't an air mattress right and he walks now that day was the Sabbath so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed oh my goodness it is the Sabbath it is not lawful for you to take up your bed but he answered them the man who healed me that guy said to me, Take up your bed and walk. See, he doesn't even know who Jesus is. They said to him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now, the man who had been healed didn't know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn because there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found the man in the temple. He said to him, See, you are well. notice in that that like congratulatory triumph in what Jesus is saying. You're better. Man, it's good to see you. You're walking. See, you are well. Sin no more. Can I say again? Well, duh. That ain't gonna It's a pretty blanket statement there. Jesus isn't saying to the guy, repent. You know, and then, I know you're going to sin tomorrow. And you've still got a sin nature in you. So you're still going to struggle. But as long as you confess that sin to me, you know, we're good to go. Jesus says, quit sinning. You may as well tell a leper... To change and be well. You may as well tell a leopard to change his spots. Don't ever sin again. I mean, that's the force of this. Jesus looked at this guy and he puts a standard upon him that is going to be impossible for this man to reach. Let's not dumb this down. Let's not do that. Jesus never diminishes his demands upon us. Jesus says, do not sin. 1 John chapter 2. I have written these things to you so you will not commit even one sin. God does not just bend the rules because you're an American and you're a nice person. Never sin. Why? Because if you do, something worse is going to happen. That's what he says. Right? The force of this is this, my friend. And I'll tell you, this is where every one of us then is pretty screwed up in this room. Don't go from this place, my friend, and do any sin this week. Let's just say this week. Let's just say this day. Let's just say this hour. Don't ever sin. And if you do, If you do, something worse than being an invalid for 38 years is going to happen to you. Ooh. Ooh. When we look at this text, we first of all see a man's hopeless condition. We then see Jesus intervening in the situation. We see him asking a question. We see him making a command. And then we see him giving the man some counsel. Don't ever sit. Because if you do, something worse is going to happen. And then we see the man confessing to the Jews. And this is what ends in the text. Jesus said, see you're well, sin, sin no more, so nothing worse happens to you. And the man went away, and he told the Jews. It was Jesus who healed them. And this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus. We're going to stop right there, and we'll pick up next week talking about the Jews on the Sabbath. And what Jesus says to them. Let's stop right there. The man goes away, he tells the Jews, it is Jesus who had healed him, and this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus. Now hold that thought, and we'll come back to it right at the end of the message. But let's consider this man's hopeless condition the disability itself, he's an invalid. We could think of the length of the time he's in the condition, he's been there for 38 years. And here's another thing that's hopeless about him. He's surrounded by other people who are in the very same condition, right? Everything in his world and everything in his life is hopeless. We see Jesus intervening with the question, do you want to be well? We talked about the question. We see Jesus intervening and we see that this man doesn't even know who Jesus is. Right? That's clear in the text. He does not know who Jesus is. The miracle precedes any personal faith. You know, there's no formula stock way that Jesus does anything in the Bible. Right? Some people he says to him, if you believe, I'll heal you. To some people he says, I'm going to heal you and then you can believe Right? It goes every way. I could really digress on that, but I don't got time, so let's go. The man's reply. I have no man. I have no man to help me. And I want you to remember that. I have no man. Jesus' command, there are three aspects. He says, get up, take up your bed, walk. We see the anger of the Jews, don't we? What are they angry at? Was it wrong for this man to be walking on the Sabbath? No. Was it wrong for this man to be getting up on the Sabbath? No. But what did they say was wrong? Pick up your bed. Pick up your bed. Now, we will see later that in Galilee, we'll look at this last week, Jesus gets in trouble because he works on the Sabbath. And the work that gets him in trouble is he heals. Now, in this situation, Jesus is not yet the one in trouble, not until the man confesses who Jesus is, right? The man is in trouble. And the man is in trouble because he's packing his bed. Think with me of a cowboy bedroll, right? Sleep on it and then you roll it up. Maybe you got all your duffel in there. And this guy's been living for 38 years on a pallet by the pool of Bethesda. And so he just rolls this thing up and he's packing it away. Man, I bet the guy's got a smile on his face. Wouldn't you think? I mean, he's been down for 38 years. Now he's walking. He's carrying a bed. But it's the Sabbath. And the Jewish leaders meet him. Hey, what are you doing? Don't you know this is illegal? Now, you would say, why in the world would it be wrong to pack a bed on the Sabbath? It is a misunderstanding, obviously, that the Jews add to the Sabbath, Sabbath laws from the Old Testament. Specifically, probably from Jeremiah 17. In Jeremiah 17, the scripture says this This is what the Lord says Watch yourselves. Do not pick up a load and bring it to the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. You must not carry a load out of your houses on the Sabbath day or do any work, but you must consecrate the Sabbath day as I commanded your ancestors. Now, if you would take the time and you would read all of chapter 17, you would see that this is applied not to carrying beds when Jesus commanded you to pick it up. It is applied specifically to carrying uh, wares. Is that the right word? You understand what I mean by wares? W-A-R-E-S. Merchandise. And bringing it into Jerusalem to sell it on the Sabbath day. He's not talking about a bed. He is talking about private enterprise. And using the Sabbath day as a day of business. Now one of the things that got the Jews in big trouble with God in the Old Testament was the desecration of the Sabbath. And it was one of the reasons they went into Babylonian captivity. When they come out of captivity, they come back to Jerusalem and a man named Nehemiah comes there. And he is doing reforms. And he finds this going on in the city. At that time I saw people in Judah. And they were treading wine presses on the Sabbath. And they were bringing in stores of grain. And they were loading them on donkeys along with the wine, the grapes and the figs. And all kinds of goods being brought to Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. So I warned them against selling food on that day. The Tyrians living there were importing fish and all kinds of merchandise, and they were selling them on the Sabbath to the people of Judah in Jerusalem. And I rebuked the nobles of Judah, and I said to them, what is this evil that you are doing? You are profaning the Sabbath day. Didn't your ancestors do the same so that our God brought all this disaster on us and on the city? And now you are stirring up his anger against Israel by profaning the Sabbath. This is what Jeremiah was talking about. Using the Sabbath day as a day of business. Transporting wares and merchandise to make money for self. Not healing. Now we'll talk about this more in depth next week when we think about the Sabbath. Sabbath. And what Jesus says in relationship to himself and the Sabbath. But for now, let's move on. Jesus counsels the man. Now, there is a promising start to the conversation. Where does Jesus find the guy? He's in the temple. Wow. This guy has been 38 years on his bed. And where did he go? went to the house of the Lord to do what? Obviously to say thanks. He's in the temple. In the conversation, Jesus begins with an observation. You're better. I mean, Jesus, you can hear in the voice of Jesus and what he says there. Genuine joy. Jesus does not bless his children grudgingly, does he? No, when he blesses us, he's happy he did. And he wants us to be happy that he did. And he says to this guy, look, you're better. I'm so glad to see that you're walking. I'm so glad to see that you're back at life. It's been 38 years. High five. And then he says, don't ever sit. Don't ever sin. Because if you do, something worse is going to happen to you. By all measures, this guy's had it pretty tough, hasn't he? 38 years in a bed. By all measures, he probably has lost everything, right? There's no social safety net then. There was definitely no social security that could kind of keep him going. He's been totally at the mercy of benevolence. It's been rough, I guarantee it. My friend, there's something worse that can happen to us than losing our physical health. I want you to be healthy physically. That's my prayer. I hope you enjoy good health. It's a blessing. You don't know how good it is to feel good until you don't feel good, right? Ever been there done that? I had my long road. I know. I want you to be well. But I will tell you this. There's something worse than getting cancer. There's something worse than getting a bad diagnosis. And getting a debilitating disease. And the Bible would call it hell. sin no more sin brings judgment it was one bite from one piece of fruit it don't even seem like a big deal but the day you do it you will die So will all your offspring. So death spread to all, for all have sinned. Sin brings judgment, sin is serious. The Bible says, "Fools make a mock at sin." Man, I watched this thing the other night—a news story about what's going on with the LA Dodgers. You see that LGBT blasphemy? The sisters of perpetual indulgence, and their slogan is what? Go and send some more. What do you think of that? We live in a society. L.A. Dodgers. What's better than baseball and apple pie? American pastime. And the debauching. Of the young people of America and the desecration of our culture and the glorification of everything that is an abomination to our God? Fools make light of sin. Why? It's going to land you somewhere that's worse than anything you can imagine. And I know that's a hateful message today. This command is not meant to be a realistic, realistic, attainable goal. It is meant to reveal something to this man. He is in a hopeless spiritual condition. He was in a hopeless physical condition. But apart from Jesus, he would have still been on that bed. He would have still been a physical invalid. This man is also in a hopeless spiritual condition. And apart from Jesus, he is a spiritual invalid and no man can help him. Right? I have no man. Nobody can make me stop sinning. And nobody can take my sin away. I have no man. This man's hopeless condition. He is not only a physical invalid. He is a spiritual invalid. He has no one who can help him. The only one that can save him. Is the one who was talking to him. The man's response he goes and tells the Jews. Now, why did he do that? That's a good question. Why did he tell the Jews? Was he tattletaling? Who made you better? I don't know. And then he meets Jesus, and he finds out it's Jesus, and so right away he goes and tells the Jews. Is he tattle-tale? It was Jesus. He made me better. I guess you could think it is. I don't know. You know what I like to think it is? You know what I think it is? It is a bold confession. He is going to the Jews, and he is saying to them, it was Jesus. He made me better. And what do they do? They persecute Jesus. reminds me of Acts when Jesus knocks a Jew, Saul, to the ground in a blazing light. And Saul says, who are you? I am Jesus who you are persecuting. It's the only other place it says in the scripture that Jesus was persecuted. Here they persecute Jesus. I am Jesus who you are persecuting. And so the result is the Jews persecute Jesus. I don't think Jesus was surprised. Okay, we'll talk about that next week. I do think the man is making a bold confession. And can I do the same? My friend, it is Jesus who made me well. And I'm not talking physically, although it was him. I'm talking spiritually. Can I say that from a rooftop? Can I say that to a world who hates our Jesus and who will persecute him? I hope I will. Why are you different? It was Jesus who made me well. Are you willing to say his name? If it costs us everything? I hope we are. Not only... Do we go through life and we come up against things that affect us physically and deteriorate our bodies? We go through life and we sin. And left alone, that sin will rise up at the last day and be your doom. And something worse will happen. you my friend not someone else and Jesus will show us in the rest of this chapter that if we put our faith and trust in him he will wipe that debt clean and we will be forgiven And nobody else in this room can do it for you. You have no one to help you. The one who will help you is Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth. The truth that sets us free. I pray that if there's someone in this room that has something worse in store... Because they've never met Jesus that in our time as we close, that Lord Jesus, you would come to them and you would talk with them and they with you and they would trust you. Lord Jesus, we need you. I thank you that it is you, Jesus, who have made me well. I pray that you would make others well as well. And so we pray in your name.